Hi there, everybody. My name is Karen Abramson, and I live here in Israel, but I'm originally from England. I have been keeping a diary since I was a very young girl, and every single day I record what's happened during the day. Of course, this year, 2020, is a very unusual year. This is my COVID diary. I want to share this with you, my COVID diary, and I hope that you would like to share your COVID diary with me. I'm fortunate enough to have a guest interview with me this evening who is going to interview me for the first part of my diary. His name is Robert Curtis, and I'm going to hand you over to Rob. Thanks so much, Karen. Excited to be here with you and learn some of the insights from your COVID diary. Before we dive into talking about your, your year and some of the stories through the corona troubles and the pandemic, let's talk about diaries generally. You said that you have been keeping a diary since you were a little girl. Um, that was only a couple of years ago. So you've been keeping up your diary. Um, what has inspired you to keep that diary going? Well, to be honest with you, I actually, I didn't write it when I was a little girl. I started writing when I was a teenager uh -huh. and it was a way of writing down which boys I liked and the boyfriends <laughs> and the fun that I used to have with all my girls. And yeah, that's how it started. And you kept it up ever since? Yeah, I had, no, I had a break um, when the children were very small. I had a break and then I came back to it about seriously, probably about 30 years ago. Um, yeah, about 25, 30 years ago, I kept it seriously every single day and I have a special place where I buy my diary which is Harrods I buy my diary in Harrods and every single year I go to Harrods and I choose the color and I just feel it's really important to get the right color I have to have the right feel it's a page a day Harrods diary anyway this year because I've obviously I'm you know I'm in uh, Israel I can't get over to England at the moment I had to actually call them in Harrods and I got a girl to tell me exactly which colors she had and I ended up by choosing a navy blue one because I can't wait to get rid of 2020 and get on to 2021 which I hope will bring a little bit better news inside those empty pages. Absolutely what is your diary process look like? Do you write it every morning about what happened the day before? Do you write it at night? Is it a sort of account of the day? Um, what makes it into the editorial? Okay, so I always write it in the evening, at the end of the day, because I don't know in the morning what's going to happen. I, I prefer to write it at the end of the day. But if I have had a really sort of emotional day or something's happened, then I take my time writing it. Otherwise, it's kind of really like boring, like um, peeled the potatoes and then went for a walk on the beach, that sort of stuff. But quite often there is something, maybe once every couple of weeks, there'll be something in depth about something that's happening in my life that, that is important. And I like to put it down and write the real details about it. Do you go back and listen or rather read through some of the historic parts over those years of uh, writing the diary, going back into moments, high moments, low moments, memories. Definitely. Once a year, I have one day, once a year, when I sit down and I pick a year, I just, out of all the diaries, I'll pick a year and I'll take it out and I'll read it. And I just like reflect on, on certain situations and I laugh out loud at some of the things the kids have done, those kids now being, parents and some one my children is already a grandmother um and I laugh my head off thinking you know listen to them they're so sweet but you know time goes on do you do you find that this has been like a, a sort of virtual friend for you I mean I know that certainly 
this year, but you know, generally mental health and awareness and self-awareness is such an important area for everybody. Um, is this sort of like an outlet for you psychologically or is it just the process of writing and cataloging that you love or both? No, it, well, it has its uses. Like for instance, when we travel, when we travel extensively, I'll always write the name of the hotel and the hotel bedroom. So if we've liked it, then I'll know to book that hotel bedroom next time. So you've got your own review system. Exactly. But also, um, no, it is, it, it is definitely helps my mental health because if I'm venting feelings, I'm angry, I'm upset or I'm emotional or thrilled or happy or sad or whatever, I can actually put it down. And it's lovely, you know, like when my kids have got married, um, writing down their wedding day, in, in my diary is such a lovely thing. And they'll, you know, when I go, they'll have, they'll have that. And they can look at it and, and see how I felt on their wedding day or, or the day that they had children or whatever. It's sort of like your living testament that people, you know, when, you know, past 120, you can look back, they can look back and, you know, review your life and the stories. And it's a great testament to your children and your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren. Um, I love that. Now, Karen, we're here to talk about your COVID diaries. Um, and, you know, it's been a year that obviously none of us could ever have expected. And it's certainly not one that unfortunately looks like it's ending anytime soon. At what point did you, I guess, sort of pick up on the fact that, you know, Corona was going to be this huge issue? Where were you? What was the moment? Take us back to where you started to write about corona being part of your life in the diaries okay so i think the first time when i realized that hey ho this is this is a little bit of unusual we've got a little bit of a problem here was when we were in thailand in january february and um we were in phuket we had a lovely couple of weeks staying in the villa and then we were we were flying up to bangkok to have another week there and when we were leaving, we were told that we could not get on the plane and couldn't, in fact, go to the airport without wearing a mask. Well, this was like, we couldn't believe it. We thought it was so funny. They managed that the, the mask situation was completely impossible to get hold of in Thailand at that time. And um, we managed to get the last two in the whole of Phuket. And everyone was, oh, where did you get them from? And we travelled to the airport with these masks on, which were very uncomfortable. We weren't used to it. Of course, we are all totally used to them now and we got to the airport and I couldn't believe it every single person was wearing a mask everybody was wearing a mask and we got on the plane and tight we were with Thai airlines and they told us we have to keep the mask on please don't take it off unless, obviously unless you're eating and they were very 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 on it and that was the first time that I thought hey Nah, I couldn't kind of like get in my head that this is the way things were going to be. I thought it was just going to be in Thailand. It wouldn't be like this when we got home. And of course... I what month was this? This was in February. Yeah, February. So February in Thailand, obviously they were very aware of what was happening. and You were noting this. Yeah. What experience did you have sort of in the hotels? What, you know, were you seeing any change in behaviour? Definitely. First of all, um, there was always a in most hotels, they have breakfast buffets. They scrapped that completely because they said it was dangerous because the guests would be touching the food. So from then on, it was, you know, if you wanted a fresh orange juice or you wanted a croissant or whatever, you had to order it from the waiter, end of story. And the other thing was, every time you came into the hotel, you had to have your temperature taken. Temperature was taken, 
and they you know they were they were checking on you and blah 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 and they wouldn't let anybody in and then then they went to the stage where they would only let guests come into the hotel there was no outside people allowed in so they already in february in thailand they were um, pulling the shutters down. Now, one funny thing is there's one couple we were away with, some very dear friends of ours from London, also live in Israel and London, and they were with us on this holiday. And this is now, they came beginning of February to the Oriental Hotel in Bangkok. And guess what, folks? They're still there. No way. Yes way. They could October. Yeah. They're, still, they're still there. They're still there. They couldn't get out at one stage. They couldn't get out because there was no planes. So they kind of missed the boat, if you'll pay, pardon the pun. They missed the boat or the plane. So they couldn't get out. And and actually, my girlfriend, she was having some treatment, hospital treatment. So she stayed to have the treatment. And then one month led to another. And, and the whole hotel was closed. They were the only two guests in the whole hotel. The, the only two guests. And the funniest thing of all, the funniest thing of all um, is that they have a, a swimming pool there. And um, my friend's husband used to swim in the pool, still does, every single morning. And the lifeguard, they put, they have to, by law, have a lifeguard. But they only found out afterwards that this lifeguard actually couldn't swim because <laughs> it wasn't actually a lifeguard. It was the only member of staff that was available because they, could, they got rid of all the staff. There was, I think, 20 staff. It's an enormous hotel loads of guests but they had to keep it open just for our friends that's crazy it is crazy oh my and, gosh. and there was a whole there's been lots of articles written about them and they've had a marvelous time they've loved it they've become totally institutionalized now they're sort of waiting you know they can't come back here to israel because they'll have to quarantine here they can't go back to it to england because they'll have to quarantine there they're trying to dodge the system so we'll see what happens i think they'll still be there when we get back when we go on <laughs> in february but anyway we'll see Wow, that is so funny. I yeah. can't believe that. It's a true story. So you, you leave the Far East, you come back to Israel yeah. at that point. Um, what noticeable difference did you feel when you landed in Israel? At that stage, here in Israel, we were hearing about it. We didn't yet know fully what it all meant. What was the difference in well, landing? It wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near as serious here. You know, it was just kind of like we were talking about it. It was, it, it was, it, we knew it was happening. Uh, we knew that things were getting serious. And, and the government here had said that if things, if the figures stayed down, then great. But if they rose in any way, we would also be going into, into lockdown. So we were aware of that. We were also aware, aware of the fact that we had to leave Israel to go to England in March because our granddaughter was getting married and we wanted to be there. So we were like playing with, with dates and playing with, with the situation. But, you know, when you're used to traveling and flying all over the world whenever you want to and, and having freedom, the, the thought of not being able to fly when you want to seemed impossible. So we just thought, oh, we'll, we'll go and we booked. And sure enough, we, sta we only stayed back in Israel for about two weeks. And then, um, and then, then we went to, to uh, England. Take, taking us into your diaries during that sort of Far East stroke, coming back to Israel period, what were you documenting in the diary? What feelings and thoughts did you have at that time? What can you share with us about the sort of, um, I guess, storytelling that you were putting into, into Karen's diaries? Okay, so at that particular time, at that particular time, I wasn't really thinking so much about COVID because 
I think everybody, I think all of you who are listening will probably agree with me that we didn't think it was going to last. It was something that was just going to disappear. Like Donald Trump said, it was just going to disappear. <laughs> and we never for a moment thought that, that we would still be talking about this months and months and months later. We never thought that the, that every country would have the same problem as Israel and, and England had. We just, but you were coming from the Far East where they were taking it seriously. You were mandated to wear masks. You've got shutdowns happening in front of you and you're landing in another country where things were normal still at that stage. Yeah, but I, th I think, you see, in, in, in the Far East, they are far better at handling these situations than, than we are in, in the West. They're fantastic. The, you know, even down to wearing masks, they wear them anyway. You know, if you, if you go, if you walk down the streets of Thailand, nothing to do with COVID because of, um, purely because of uh, pollution. They wear, they wear masks, they have to. Bangkok, the pollution is so bad that actually it's healthier to wear a mask than to, than to not when you're walking in the street. So it's not an unusual thing for them to stick a mask on and get on with their day. Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, it's it's just not heard of. So we came home with stories of, guess what? We had to wear a face mask. What? You had to wear a face mask? That's terrible. Ooh, how we must have been awful, you know. How, how terrible for you, Betty. You're all right here. It's fine. But You'll be fine here. Before we came on air, you said that there was a mad rush whilst you were in Thailand to try and find face masks. There was. There were absolutely, we, it was nearly impossible to get them because they ran out. Now, of course, every, every design that's possible can be had. You get them from everywhere. Everywhere has got fabulous, fabulous designs. But um, at the time, yes, it was very, very difficult to get them because everybody was grabbing them. All the tourists were grabbing them, grabbing every spare mask there was because they wanted to adhere to the rules while they were still living in the country. Well, Karen, your first episode of your insights into the beginning of the Corona period gives us a, a great kickoff. I know there's going to be some future episodes where we're going to talk about weddings. We're going to talk about um, when your husband Martin caught Corona and the impact that had on you and uh, the, the, the way that you had to handle that and so much more. So I've been delighted to be your guest host on this episode. Thanks for sharing some of the stories so far. We look forward to the rest of them. Yeah, thank you very much. And I look forward very, very much to sharing the rest of it with, with you. And I look forward to one day hearing all your COVID stories too.